As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you everyone for your continued support. The review of the week is coming to you from Sarah Y927. She says, this podcast has been super helpful in preparing me for what's to come. Being a first-time mom-to-be, I have found this to be real, raw, and non-opinionated. It has eased a lot of my worries I had first becoming pregnant. Well, we can't always promise that we're not opinionated. Oh, we have opinions. (laughs) We try to give both sides equal weight. So in that case, I guess we can come across as being pretty unbiased. (laughs) I do like that a lot of women come here and feel very comfortable because you and I don't agree on a lot of things. I've gotten that feedback a lot. And so I think that's important that you have to realize that there's a lot of people that that's the case. You're going to come at this from different things um, all throughout pregnancy, birth, and being a mother. And I think it's really important to just respect and love on each other. One thing we do agree on birth is awesome and you can do it. Yes, totally. And thank you, Sarah. Love it. All right, you guys, I'm crazy excited because if you remember a couple episodes back, I said the whole reason that we got into the whole cesarean birth podcast was because when I started to write this VBAC podcast, I realized we needed to talk about the discrepancies or the issues that we're having in the, the United States with women having unnecessary cesareans at an alarming rate. But now that we've done that podcast, I can jump into this passion of a vaginal birth after cesarean. And the reason it's a passion for me, if you've been following along with us, you know that my very first birth was an unnecessary cesarean birth. And I've gone on to have two vaginal births after cesarean or two VBACs, um, one of which was medicated and the other was not. So we're going to give you guys some information throughout this podcast that will hopefully be very encouraging um, for moms who haven't had a cesarean, but also for mothers who have. Because if you have, 
It doesn't mean that you have to go on for the rest of your birthing career to only have cesarean births. And we're going to tell you about that now. So like Stephanie said, a VBAC is a vaginal birth after cesarean. But a lot of people assume that means a natural birth or an unmedicated birth, and it doesn't. That doesn't mean it has to be unmedicated. It can be any way that a baby makes it through the vagina. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some facts. So if you're pregnant in the United States, according to statistics, about 33% of you will go on to have a cesarean birth. And those who have a cesarean birth after that, only about 7% in the United States will go on to have a successful vaginal birth after cesarean. We'll get into why in just a bit. But just know that statistically, women who prepare themselves with a good birth class and include a doula with their birth, um, statistically are much more higher on the being able to have a vaginal birth after cesarean and honestly in just being able to avoid a cesarean birth altogether if you're a first-time mom. So why is it just 7%? Because when I first read that statistic, I was like, wait, what? Truth of the matter is that 40% of women in the United States can't even find a provider that is supportive of letting them have a vaginal birth after cesarean. And that's with about 50% of women wanting to have a cesarean or a vaginal birth after cesarean. Yeah. So the other 50% are not comfortable and decide they, for whatever reason, would like to go on. But of the 50%, 40%, like what? Isn't that crazy? That means only 10% actually find a supportive provider and want one. A lot of providers steer women towards having a repeat cesarean. Right. So when you have those two things, a woman that can't find a supportive provider and providers that they're going to encouraging them to have more cesarean births, then that's when you get that statistic. Um, But research shows, and this is the neat part, that of the women who do, it's called a TOLAC or a trial of labor after cesarean, of the women that get to do that, 60 to 80%, or in other words, most of the women that do this will have a successful vaginal birth, which I think is very encouraging. And if you're going to pull any statistic from that, that's the one we want you to internalize. That if you just try, you're most likely going to be successful. So what are some of the benefits? Why would a mom choose to have a vaginal birth after cesarean? I think one of the biggest ones, and especially for me, is not having to recover from major abdominal surgery. That was an entire six weeks of recovery um, with a newborn. (laughs) So needing help sitting up in the night, kind of shuffling around, being on medication, just things that I didn't envision for the first couple of weeks after having my baby. Um, But on top of that, not making another incision in the uterus, which is, you know, if you have one cesarean and then you have another cesarean birth and another it's very taxing to the uterus it's very taxing to the body Um, and if you're somebody that wants to have six seven eight kids you know it's hard to find a provider that will even do that many cesareans for a mom Um, and the risk does go up every time that we start making incisions into our bodies Um, it's also better for the baby though so the lungs being able to it's really neat on the way out during a vaginal birth Um, the fluid actually gets excreted from the lungs as baby pushes through. It kind of does this Heimlich maneuver where all of that fluid comes right. Yeah, everything that's in the lungs gets pushed out. And so you'll notice actually if you've had a cesarean birth and they remove baby from your body and maybe take them over and they do this little thing where they slap on their back, they're breaking up all that gunk in the lungs so that baby can get that moving through their body. But it is a much safer, healthier, positive process if they can do that themselves working their way through the vagina it's naturally expressed yeah and then there's also good bacteria when the baby comes through the vagina all of this 
<laughs> it's good bacteria. This always sounds a little <laughs> gross to me, but it's true. Go on. It's good. So as baby comes through the vagina, they've got there's this bacteria there that's actually very good and healthy um, for them to get on their body on the way out. It's a protection for them. And then it's also it can be healing for a mom to have a vaginal yeah. yes a vaginal birth after cesarean because most of the time a cesarean birth is not our first plan right that's nobody goes in well not sh- the majority of women do not go in planning to have a cesarean birth with their first baby electively and so it can be a very healing experience and take that from me I've had two and every single time it has been even more healing that like my body's not broken I'm capable of birthing my babies this is a beautiful experience just all the things So then let's talk about the risks. The biggest one we hear most often from providers is the risk of uterine rupture. And this is the number one reason that providers feel the need to tell women that if they choose to give birth out of a hospital um, as a VBAC mom, that they will kill themselves and their babies. And yeah, uterine rupture can happen. um, But statistically, you guys, it's less than 1% in a healthy, low-risk mother, which is very close to the same percentage of rupture for first-time moms. Um, It's important to note, too, that with rupture, um, a uterine rupture can happen and mom and baby can be fine. In fact, um, we'll get into a statistic in a minute, but if there are any complications, it does tend to be with the baby and with proper health care, it is actually usually just fine for mom and baby. So when we say uterine rupture, it sounds like this big, scary thing, but it's a very small percentage, even within the small percentage that it can happen, that it actually becomes life-threatening. And if mom is birthing with a provider that's familiar with VBAC, they can get quick care for an emergency cesarean birth and usually the outcomes are really good for mom and baby. Yeah and that includes women that choose to go out of hospital to have a a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, So listen to this because this was my favorite statistic. So according to the National Institute of Health Consensus Development Report on VBAC, while it's rare for both laboring for a VBAC and elective repeat cesarean, Current research shows that maternal mortality is significantly increased for elective repeat cesarean, 13.4 per 100,000, compared to 3.8 per 100,000 when laboring for a BBAC. Boom! Boom. Did you hear that? You are way more likely to have issues having repeat cesarean births than you are having a VBAC. You mean you're going to have more issues having surgery, which is not natural for your body, rather than birthing your baby out of your vagina like you're supposed to? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) So why don't more women have VBACs? What decreases the odds of having a successful VBAC and the opposite? What increases the odds? Number one is your provider. If you have an unsupportive provider and they have their own issues or their own agendas, that can certainly stand in the way. Yeah, basically, if you have somebody that's ignorant of evidence-based research, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, another one is a lack of preparation. So if you're coming in blind, like, you know, I want to have a VBAC, but you don't know the obstacles that are going to be coming your way, um, really the number one thing that you can do to make this a positive, um, successful experience is to prepare. So get the facts. Use the information that you're getting on this episode. Prepare your body. Mentally prepare yourself to go unmedicated, even if you're just aiming for that preparation to get farther into your labor, because we know that as soon as we start adding any kind of intervention, even epidural and Pitocin, um, whether or not you've had a cesarean birth before, that always increases the risk of a, a cesarean birth. So it could increase it for having another. And then induction. So specifically with labor-stimulating drugs like Pitocin, um, which is artificial oxytocin that's used to stimulate u- uterine contractions during labor, 
and Cytotec, which is it's used as a prostaglandin, but it's always used off-label. And specifically with a mother who has had a prior cesarean birth, it's actually contraindicated for VBAC because it can cause overstimulation and that can create a uterine rupture. Um, obviously, if you're using things like Pitocin or any kind of prostaglandin, it would need to be done in a hospital setting anyways. And just so that you're aware, Cytotec is not, like, I feel like they don't really use it anymore anyways. Like, they know this, but you should know that. It can also be called misoprostol. So pay attention to those two things. If for some reason you run into a terrible situation <laughs> where they're talking about using those, absolutely no. That's a big red flag. Do not do that. So let's talk about how do you find a supportive provider? The first step is to find other women who have had successful VBACs with a supportive provider and interview them. Ask them all the questions. Ask them about their experience, um, their interactions with the provider, the hospital they delivered at, their feelings, all of it. Secondly, find women on Facebook groups or support groups or pages in your area and ask them who would they recommend. If you're unable to locate people or Facebook <laughs> groups to help you, contact some local doulas in your area. They would be more than happy to give you some recommendations of good providers. And oftentimes, keep in mind that out-of-hospital midwives, meaning midwives who deliver at a birth center or home birth midwives, they're very supportive of this natural process, and they can be great providers for this exact kind of care. Ask other women about their experiences with them, interview them, just really ask them tons of questions. Yeah, and I've shared this before, but um, with my third baby, we didn't have a provider nearby. We were kind of in the middle of nowhere. There was one hospital nearby. In fact, I did know women that would cross state lines and drive very far and like mm -hmm. shack up in a hotel in order to not be like in a place where that wasn't supportive, which is that, I mean, that could work for you. But I decided because um, I just knew the kind of birth that I wanted. I wanted to go unmedicated. There were some things that I'm like, I don't really necessarily need that hospital setting anyways. So I actually reached out to a, a local midwife in the area and I've shared before, like home birth was not my first choice. However, the more I researched and the more I realized if I want to have this vaginal birth after cesarean again with my third, um, really a home birth midwife was the way to go. And it was such a comforting, crazy good experience. So it's not uncommon for women who have had a cesarean birth and ha had like not a great experience in hospital or talking to providers about what they're trying to do to reach out to women um, outside of, of the hospital setting. And you know, it, what's crazy is the numbers, the, the percentages are actually higher out of hospital. I think they're closer to 87% of women that have a successful vaginal birth after cesarean doing it at a birth center or at their home. Is that crazy? That's like crazy. it's even higher. So we want to give you some red flags. How do you know if you don't have a supportive provider? And this first one we're going to share with you out of all of them is probably the line that I hate the most. <laughs> so if your provider says... Sure, I'll let you try. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how <laughs> it goes. You guys, that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. We'll see how it goes. Uh-uh. Unless their response is, yes, I totally support you. Let's do this. Mm-mm. Yeah, we've, we've said this before too, but a provider should really act as a lifeguard. They're there in case you start drowning, <laughs> right? But swimming is a very natural process, just like birth. So keep that in mind. Um, Another one is it's actually safer for you and your baby to have a repeat cesarean birth. Um, we we are, just gave you the evidence for that, so feel free to take those numbers with you, but it's surgery. We can try, but most often women who have had a cesarean prior will usually end up with another one. Yeah, <laughs> maybe with that doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, how about 
I don't want you to go past your due date if we're going to let you try, so let's schedule an induction just in case. Induction does not always lead to a successful VBAC, so if possible, you'll want to avoid that. Yeah, induction in general can actually lead to more cesarean birth. For any mom, for doesn't anyone. matter if you've had a cesarean birth or not. Right. And then any scare tactics. Why don't you tell us some of the scare tactics? So if you attempt this, you could kill yourself and your baby. I even hate us saying it out loud. I know. But I'm worried it's going to be triggering. But, but I it's want, legitimate things that providers say to women. We want you to be aware of what you might hear. Yeah. And know that it's not true. That the decisions that you're making are not going to harm you or your child. Hopefully, you know, rewind if you have to. We gave you yeah. the statistics. <laughs> you're more likely to have more complications from a repeat cesarean than you are from a VBAC. Right. And obviously, keep in mind, we don't give medical advice. We can't provide you with anything like your provider can. They know your birth, your body, your situation. And what we're talking about is low-risk mama. So keep that in mind, too. Um, another one is... I've seen a uterine, a uterine rupture and baby and mom could have died. Yeah. Okay. Time out because a lot of times the doctors or providers, this usually happens in a hospital setting. That's why I say doctors. But the people that see these uterine ruptures are the ones who have seen the inductions that have added the things like Pitocin that create the these issues. So keep that in mind. So you guys get the point, right? These are not providers that are respectful of your body, your intuition, your desire. So just find a new one. Yeah. Let us encourage you too that the fact is if you're hearing me, like there are providers that don't say these things. Like there might be a large amount of them that do, but I promise you there are providers that are like, oh, you can, you can, you don't even have to ask me, of course. Yes, your body will do that. I'll absolutely support you doing this. That's what you're looking for. If you're not getting that 100%, for real, you're in the wrong spot. So some of you might be wondering, like, I'm on board, my provider's on board. How do I get my partner on board um, and convince them that it's safe? Well, best of luck to you. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not our answer. Um, really, though, take a good birth class. Bring him with you to the doctor's appointments once you find a supportive provider. Why is that important? Because <laughs> otherwise, when you bring your partner with you, the provider might use scare tactics that once your partner hears that, they might not be able to get out of their head until you've had a healthy baby and <laughs> you're safe. So wait to bring your partner until you've found that supportive provider. Be prepared with tons of facts and research and present them in a non-confrontational, objective way. And most importantly, understand that your partner always, unless they're a jerk, are most concerned <laughs> about your safety and well-being. So the place that they're coming from is, I just want you to be okay. And when you say these things, I wonder if that's true. So remember that they love you. So be compassionate. And if they're not immediately on board, it doesn't mean you need to give up your beliefs or change your course. You just want to find other ways to present the information to them. I think that as long as they're aware that you also care about your own safety um, and you involve them in that decision-making process, they're going to be way more on board. And I know that seems obvious, but it's not always so obvious. So how can you convince yourself that you can do this? Um, your mind can be your strongest enemy, but it's also your greatest asset. So when you're talking to other women, you're going to talk to everyone that you can find that's had a successful VBAC. You're going to have them tell you all the positive experiences. We want you to listen to tons of positive birth stories and be religious about saying positive affirmations out loud to yourself every single day. Don't feel bad about blocking out negative birth stories. So a lot of times people like to share those with you, and we've talked about in previous episodes why <laughs> they might do that. They might be seeking validation, but it's okay for you to gently say, is this story going to be a positive birth experience as I prepare for my birth? I'm really trying to only let the positive in. 
I like that. Um, make sure that you take an incredible birth course. We've said this a couple times, but really when it comes to like the facts and information and preparation, that's where it's all put together for you and, and you can get that knowledge easily. Um, do all the exercises, the nutrition, the relaxation practice, and get crazy knowledgeable about the entire birth process, as well as what you need to know how to avoid a repeat cesarean. As far as some quick resources, and we'll link to them in the show notes, but iCanOnline.org, and I'll link it because it's written out a little weird, but it's iCan-Online.org. So you can go on there and actually look up your provider and see what their cesarean rate is. They've got tons of information on how to have a vaginal birth after cesarean. It's likely you've got some kind of local meeting near you um, where other women are getting together and talking about this. They hold meetings. And then there's also ACOG.org, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And they have some great links and articles to, um, they even have VBAC guidelines that you can bring into your provider because this is stuff quite frankly, that they should know. But in case they don't, you have you come stacked with information um, and really the evidence is on your side. And we hope that as you choose to surround yourself with positivity, that we get to be on that team for you because I will tell you, we believe in you. We know you can do this. We will cheer you on every step of the way and we're here to help you prepare. Yeah, and I hope that I'm one of the people that you get to talk to that has had a vaginal birth after cesarean and has had incredible experiences. So if you find that you're listening to this podcast, you want to have a vaginal birth after cesarean, I 100% fully want you to reach out to me. Send us a DM. Quite honestly, like this is it's such a passion for me to be able to say to, to another woman, like you can do this too. Um, so I hope that you do, that you reach out, that you find that encouragement and love that we have to offer you guys. And yeah, I'm with Courtney. We know that you guys can do this. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.